Hello humans, welcome to The Frontline, a leadership and business podcast brought to you by Peregrine Corporate Services, an Isle of Man-based fiduciary provider. My name is Martin Hall, and thank you for listening. In this podcast, we chat to an array of business leaders from different sectors to learn more about them, their market, skill sets, and knowledge. We hope you enjoy. Today I'm joined by the team at iListen. Thanks for coming down, guys and girls. Thanks for having us. Maybe to uh, give our listeners uh, to attach a name to a voice, perhaps working working along the line, if you introduce yourself, what you do at iListen, and then we can dig in. Okay, so my name's Mandy Cannell, and I look after learning and human resources at iListen. So predominantly working in workplaces all across the Isle of Man, providing low-level mental health awareness training for staff in different organisations. I'm Abel Chambers and I'm the project lead for our listen, which means pretty much just looking after the day-to-day running um, and looking after the staff who are running our really important services as well. And I'm Steve Downward, so I lead on our schools team, which is working with pupils around PSHE assemblies and providing content for them to work and support their mental health. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. So let's dig in a little bit. So we're in January. It's never a great month. I think generally it's considered a bit of a blue month. Uh, I guess the activity is probably busier than ever and with, with COVID and what's happened in 2020. Uh, how, uh, how are things? I suppose, how are you finding things? How are you finding the, the stigma around mental health and bringing the message, I guess? I think everyone was glad to see the back of 2020, to be <laughs> honest. It's been a heck of a year for everyone for one reason or another. Um, certainly we found that our services went from strength to strength in 2020. Um, lockdown was a really strange time and we were concerned because the bread and butter of what we do is face-to-face interaction, whether that's in schools, in the workplace or in the community as well. Um, and so to suddenly be taken offline and confined to our houses was really difficult. Um, but I think it was actually a really amazing challenge um, and Mandy and the, the workplace training team can certainly attest to that as well because we really looked at how we were doing things and we're able to assess it and make it accessible to even more people by taking it online. So it was a challenge, definitely, and we worked three times as hard as we normally do, which is saying something. Um, but it was a really exciting time as well. It's something we've definitely learned from um, and something that we're going to implement and continue to in the future as well. Did, they, did, they, did you see changes then from I suppose, dealing with people that being in the work environment and then not being at home and self-isolating? And... Yeah, we, we did. We saw a massive change because as Annabelle mentioned, our model beforehand was all face-to-face training, so we had to pivot really quickly, as most organisations and charities are included in that had to, just in order to survive. So we had to, to adapt our style to very quickly move to webinars and online training and much shorter sessions and make sure it was really relevant for what people needed there and then. Um, we were very, very fortunate, actually, that our CEO and our board fully supported us providing training absolutely for free during that period and um, you know that's a real testament to their belief in what we're doing and their willingness to really support the Isle of Man community as well and what that enabled us to do was to provide training in that sort of four month period we probably trained around about 1500 people across the island because it just expanded our reach massively, being able to do stuff online. Um, So people could be sitting in their living rooms or their spare bedrooms or wherever they were working and they could listen to us talking about lots of topics around resilience and 
around making the most of the, the situation that you had and really developing some positive habits around things like diet, exercise, and keeping connected to people, which is, was really, really tough, of course. But there was um, lots of technology out there which really enabled us to do that. So, so we really tried to make what we did very relevant to that, that particular moment and very mindful of the fact that, you know, we had people working in very, very tough circumstances and managing huge challenges with parenting at home and homeschooling and really, you know, strained relationships and, and lots of financial worries and things like that. So we just wanted to do what we could to just give people some really low level, easy to, to access um, tips and techniques that they could go away and use straight away. So, so, I mean, certainly through COVID and we talk about mental health being high on the agenda as it should be. Pre that, it was obviously gaining momentum, if that's the, mm -hmm. the right term. What, what, what's your views on, obviously it's important, but why this movement, certainly in the last couple of years, that there's focus there, I guess? Is there a... Well, I, I, speaking from the workplace point of view, I think there were a few things that sort of triggered the change. And if we kind of rewind five years, I don't think we would have had the appetite in organisations to, to invest in their people's well-being that we do now. But in 2017, there was a report commissioned by the UK government, um, the Farmer Stevenson Report, which had focused on workplace wellbeing. And there were lots of recommendations in that. And, you know, I think for the first time, it really highlighted the importance of investing in your people's wellbeing, mental wellbeing uh, being a big part of that. And, you know, since that, there's been lots and lots of sort of stats and business cases made in terms of investing in your people because, um, you know, inevitably you get a really good return on doing that. It makes good business sense. Yeah. It's, it's not just the kind of pink fluffy stuff, if you like. It's actually, um, you know, makes your, your employees more engaged, they're more productive. And, you know, the, the sickness absence levels reduce and all that sort of thing. So I think there is a, a growing appetite for the workplace. And then I think layer on top of that, COVID, we have had, again, an increase in interest because everybody's been through a really, really tough time. So again, it's highlighted the importance for organisations to really support the people who work for them and their mental wellbeing. And, that, and the st stigma side of things, that I guess that, that barrier is getting broken down as well. And that was, a, I guess, one of the big battles. It's starting. It's a journey. I think that we we're not kind of there yet. It's definitely improved. I think. Um, where is that from? Few years. <sighs> That's a big question. It is a big question. <laughs> I think it comes from so many different places, and and that's the difficulty of it as well, because it literally spans across all generations and all aspects of life. I mean, certainly for for Steve and the schools team, it's a massive piece of work that they're working on um, is breaking the stigma. They're going in, they're doing assemblies and PSHE sessions, workshops to talk about mental health and to really open up that conversation. Because the fact is, every single one of us has mental health, just as we all have physical health. And I think it's always been seen as a weakness. Um, which is obviously not the case at all. None of us are ashamed to go to the GP if we're, we're struggling with an ailment physically and we shouldn't be afraid of admitting that we might be struggling mentally. Life has many pressures for every single one of us 
And I think maintaining positive mental health is so important. And that's why the, the sessions that the guys do in schools and in the workplace. Mm. Um, but I think for schools, the early intervention really comes into play heavily. Because if you can equip them with those skills from a really young age, we hope that they'll be able to carry those through with them through life. So, you know, a, a young person that Steve might see in an assembly and to be talking about deep breathing or progressive muscle relaxation or something around that, they will then hopefully, um, when they're 30 and having a stressful time at work, think back to Steve's mm. face in that assembly, telling them about this, and they'll think, oh yeah, I remember that. And that might be able to see them through another difficult period in their life. So it's, it's managing those transitions through life with those practical skills, I think. I think even when I was at school, it just it just wasn't spoke about. Mm. It, it just wasn't a common thing, you know, um, especially when I look at that age group from sort of year nine, 10 and 11, which the school goes from, you know, potentially excitement of year seven it's been a bit different this year because they didn't complete year six they've had lots of time at home mm. they've then gone into secondary school so we've done a lot of work with them because that's been a big transition but usually every other year most people are sort of go to high school it's not not too much of a, a, a big deal in many respects but as it gets a little bit more serious exams come in and um, you know people do feel the pressure and like I said when I was at school we just didn't even mm. didn't even talk about it so what's lovely about what I do is we go in, we've, we've spoke to, um, not in the same school, but different schools we've covered every year. We go in, see see what's going on and, and support them. And we believe that we Do can. Do you feel there's an openness there to listen? Absolutely. Um, it's this year especially. So I when I joined in August, um, we, we, we put a lot of planning into into what we were going to deliver for the schools for, for, for the last term of 2020. And um, what really, really surprised me was, one, the level of engagement, which, which was great, but two, the, the referrals that come into our one-to-one -one listening service, there is a demand for, for support. And, and, and for me and the, and the guys I work with, it's, it's, it's really important. We work really closely with teachers and we work really closely with our listeners to, to get that feedback around what, what's coming up. Um, because every school is different, every year is different. Um, each group within years is different. Every and individual is different. And ultimately, what, what's, what I'm really passionate about is going into these schools and, and adding value to these people's lives. Mm. Um, so we work really hard on that and you know the feedback we get we, we, we tend to start with one session whether that be an assembly we like to follow that up with like a PSHE session which is more of a, a classroom type environment and usually interactive and the guys are remembering the stuff we're talking about um, so and so pupils in that and teachers in that in that class you're taking so what we usually do is we do um, with the PSHE it's, it's, it's with, the, with a class which is like a tutor group so it's usually between 20 and 30 children um, and the teachers are more than welcome to come. Um, some schools they do and support and like to know what we're doing. Others, we, we take the full session. Every, every school is very, very different. Um, and then we can follow that up with some reflective work and stuff like that. So it's, it's really important that if we're going to have that interaction with these people so we give them the best possible chance of learning this mm. so that if they're in year seven and eight and life's fine at the moment, when the exams, exams come or things happen at home or anything like that, they've got something that they can go, okay, now I'm feeling a certain way, and now I can potentially help myself. And, and I've seen that work with the, some of the work with the teachers is educating them to look for signs and and pointers to to help them, I guess, equip them better in that environment. Yeah, and something, something we've 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 we've, we've quickly realised is that yeah, we're there for the pupils, we're there to support them, but actually our support does extend to um, the teachers, and we're also looking at doing stuff with the parents going forward because ultimately. We want these children to have this support for whatever they want, whether it's a friend, a teacher, a family member, or I'll listen, whether it's to do with something around their mental health. So 
the more people who are I suppose have knowledge of ways of supporting these children then obviously that's going to have a more positive outcome yeah I don't sorry, sorry. just going to say that we, we have done um, sessions for teachers as well in a couple of the schools and and um, the focus is, has probably been more on looking after themselves because if you're in the best place yourself and you feel you're able to cope with whatever life throws at you it puts you in a great position to support the children so we're coming at it from lots of different angles I think yeah it's a really important point Mandy because this year a lot of schools have seen bigger um, intakes of year seven so they've, they've got larger tutor groups they've obviously had um, COVID-19 and they're, they're, they're teachers <laughs> they're there they're there supporting these children with their academic study and the, the children need that support so they've you know supporting them is, is massive really as well and I assume you see where, where children are looking or that they're looking for this, but there's pressure. You talk about exams, I guess. There's home life. There's uh, social bullying, media, bullying. Yeah, yeah, okay. it, could, it could be anything. Right. Okay. And I assume you see a, a bit of everything. We see. Yeah, we see everything. Um, literally everything, to be honest. Social media has been one that's ever evolving, and it's a difficult one for us to try and stay on top of because the the fact is, social media is here to stay. Um, some of us might not like it but it is here to stay and what we need to do is make sure we're encouraging responsible and positive use of it within young people um, and within adults as well but within young people there's so many pressures you know every time you open your phone there's there's a picture of someone looking absolutely fantastic and when you're going to school you, you're wearing your uniform and you're just looking like a normal person um, just like the rest of us are so it's trying to manage expectations I think and and manage self-worth is a big thing self-esteem is a huge issue that we're seeing in young people and i think also in the workplace as well um but in young people if we can work to to build that then we hope that will continue because that self-esteem issue comes out because they're looking at everyone else's lives that look perfect i think so it gives you this false reality doesn't it social media um and for the person who's projecting that it's a false reality for them as well um but it's making them feel better there's also an element of bullying to social media where you know, even when I was at school, which doesn't feel that long ago in the grand scheme of things, if there was someone who was unfortunate enough to be bullied, at least it stayed at school and they mm. got some respite from that at mm. home. Whereas now with social media, it's absolutely relentless and it follows them everywhere they go. And that's really, really tough to take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've recently done some work with, um, with St. Ninians around some scenario work and we talk about social media and how would you act in a certain way and stuff like that. And, and, and they, they were a wonderful group and they were very open. Um, but the actions they would take, they knew they weren't necessarily the right ones. Mm. So, for example, it does bother them that when they see people potentially living their happiest life when they don't know if that's actually the case and stuff like that. So it's it's great that they're really honest. And, and, and for a big part of what I try and do is just make people aware. It's mm. not about telling them, do this, do that, but actually be aware that maybe this behaviour makes you feel a certain way and, and you know, and, and almost just, just challenge it. You know, like, is, is there something else you could do, do you think? And, and you know, they're very open sessions, but... Social media is a big one for me. Yeah, I agree. And in the workplace, I think particularly during lockdown, we were talking because we were also consumed with getting as much information about what was going on because it was unprecedented. There's that word again. And it was new and it was kind of a little bit scary. We didn't know. Um, that, that some people develop really unhealthy habits mm. in terms of social media and that constant scrolling through to get the latest update. And we know there was an awful lot of fake news and, mm -hmm. you know, the rumour mill starts about this, that and the other and conspiracy theories. So, you know, some of the conversations that we had that kind of continue now actually is about understanding social media and being able to use it in a way that's useful for you rather than harmful for you. Because social media per se 
is absolutely fantastic. It helps people stay connected, mm -hmm. informed. However, you do have to kind of understand that behind the scenes there are algorithms that are really clever at gauging what you're looking at so the more you look at something the more you're going to get that same yeah, content yeah, coming yeah. through so if you're if you're looking at things that are really negative unfortunately that's just going to be reinforced over and over and over again mm -hmm. yeah. so even in the adult population you know my age I you know I didn't grow up with social media it's something that we're kind of have to learn about as well and um, so it's kind of really helping people to understand how to develop healthier habits when it comes to their online presence mm -hmm. does that movie isn't on there on Netflix so Social yeah, Dilemma yeah, which talks yeah. about it's, how it's, fan it's fantastic and the yeah, thing that sums it? up for me is at the end they had the, they had the guy who, who created the like button mm -hmm. and he, he didn't really understand that what would happen by mm -hmm. inventing that like button he thought it was just a nice little thing to have mm -hmm. but what was really really interesting at the end is when they asked him as the credits are rolling it's almost like would you let your child have it the, 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 and they were all like no yeah. you know they, they, they understand the the concerns it has but, it, but like Mandy said it, it's a fantastic way of keeping in touch and the mm -hmm. guys I speak to in the schools they're literally like you couldn't not have it. you couldn't not have it now. Mm, yeah. Like if I, I if I didn't have social media, I wouldn't be able. It's, it's almost like a vital part of their lives. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. about managing it. Yeah, managing it. Yeah. So when we talk about schools and listening and one on ones, do you want to expand a bit more as well around the work that that goes on that that you do there and Absolutely. the value you add. Yeah, so the, the other side of the, the school service that we provide is a low-level one-to-one listening service. Um, it sits very much alongside the PSHE work that Steve and his team do. Um, but we've got four listeners who are working across the five schools that we're in at the moment, which are secondary schools. So expand on what listener is. For... Yeah, so our listeners are, listeners are a really funny term for it. We actually have a much grander job title for them, but listening is purely what they do. And um, they are what are seen as, and I'm doing air quotes because I'm <laughs> aware I'm on a podcast, and they're unqualified people, but they're young people who've got a psychology degree and that have okay. also sought out extra training as well. So we've got some who are going down a CBT route, some who are going down a person-centred counselling route um, and some who are going down a clinical psychologist route as well. So they're, they're people in their sort of early 20s who are really passionate about the world of mental health and the work that we do. Um, so they go in, they've got allocated schools that they work within and they go in and have a sort of a lesson time, which is 50 minutes in most of our schools, of a safe non-judgmental space where a young person can come along and they can if they want to vent, they can vent. If they have a specific issue they want to work with, they can work with that issue. Um, it's very much kind of goal-based goal -based outcomes that we work with. Um, and as I keep harping on about, it's fully evidence-based. And a really important part of the listening service that we have is our listeners are all receiving an hour and a half clinical supervision every week. So what that means is a space to sit down with the therapist um, who is a qualified member of our team and talk about the issues they may have faced, talk about some difficult cases they may have faced and to be able to not pass the responsibility but get that weight off their shoulders a little bit because being the go-to person for a young person who might be struggling is a massive pressure and it's a massive weight. So we make sure we're really looking after and nurturing our staff and that doesn't just go for the listeners, that's absolutely every member of our team. If any of us feel we need supervision, um, we can access that whenever the workplace guys certainly have, and also the school's team have as well. So um, and all of our content is overseen by that therapeutic team as well. So just to expand on two, two, two phrases there, the uh, goal-based and evidence-based. Mm -hmm. Expand a little bit on what 
yeah. meant by them, those terms. So goal-based outcomes can be, if you've got a particular issue that you're working with, it's setting a goal at the beginning of those interactions that you're having and saying, this is where I want to be at the end of it. So each of your sessions is working towards that. So you have almost homework to take away at the end of it, which might be sort of a graded exposure to something that you're fearful of or that you're anxious about or worried about. Um, and evidence-based is what we call our service all the time yeah. because what we're always doing is researching through validated um websites studies and, and studies clinical and studies etc absolutely yeah. and gaining the expertise and knowledge of our qualified clinical team and um, to make sure that everything we're doing is correct and responsible yeah. is the most important thing i presume that's all forever evolving as more studies and more absolutely one yeah. of the things we're always doing is making sure we're researching and keeping up to date with mental health because yeah. as we all know the world is ever changing and mental health is absolutely the same and well-being in general as well there's always new um ways that we can look after ourselves and look after others and we want to make sure we're staying on top of those to keep the support that we're providing relevant she, she touched on there a couple of times mandy around i suppose uh, habits poor habits good habits negative positive mentality i guess and it's something i mentioned just before we came on air that uh, in looking trying to look after yourself and looking mm. at your own habits uh, I, I read something recently about if you see your own self picking up bad habits should we say or not the good habits that's a sign of I suppose let's use word deteriorating mental health, whatever level that's at and wherever you begin at. So there are all sorts of signs, and it's certainly something that we we focus a lot on in our courses. And you know, in the workplace, a lot of our focus is on equipping line managers to um, you know support the people around them because then we've we've kind of identified as a population their best place to do that. And a lot of our focus is on spotting those really early signs and being able to. Um, you know intervene in some way and when I say intervene it's probably just having a chat with someone how are you feeling you know just having a really sort of general uh, welfare sort of check-in with somebody but you're right you know it is those habits it's those changes and it's one of the things that we identify um, you know with the people who attend our courses is it really relies on you understanding and knowing what normal looks like for the people around you and then being able to spot the signs of when things are just a little bit off when things are not quite right and you're right one of those things might be that the habits whether that's to do with eating or sleeping okay. or um, just getting out there and connecting with people whether it's sports whether it's hobbies when those things start to slide or they you know they just somebody doesn't show the same level of interest you're right it could be one of the signs that they are struggling with some challenges and we know that if you intervene at that really early stage it can make a huge difference to somebody it can really make the difference if they're not going between... down a deeper hole i guess exactly. you can get them out of the hole earlier. exactly yeah so and i guess then in the workplace similar to when we talk about schools it's it's usually talking to staff but talking to the leaders in the business as well to make them yeah it, it's so vital that the the leadership in an organisation is bought into this and that they truly understand the benefit of, of having a sound wellbeing strategy for their organisation that looks at so many different things. Training, of course, is one of those things, but it, it's making it really sort of readily available, the information, joining up the dots for people, bringing to life the things that they do. Um, you know, it's more than just a well-being week and, you know, doing a couple of activities. There's there's actually an awful lot behind that that can make a big difference. As I say to you at the beginning, you know, it, it's kind of, it makes really sound business sense to do this yeah. stuff. Um, so, you know, it's an easy argument to make, which is great for us. Yeah, yeah, well, it shouldn't really even be an argument, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I know Zurich have been, uh, you've recently announced some 
uh, support with Zurich. So do you want to provide a bit of yeah, information? Um, so we started our listen sort of scoping it out about two and a half years ago. Um, and we launched a pilot year at the beginning of the last academic Who's year. Who's we? Uh, just, so that's actually a really good point. Um, to provide some context to the organisation as a whole is our listen has come from a charity that's been around on the island for 37 years. Um, Manx Cancer Help was formed in 1983 and it was formed to provide psychological support for those affected by cancer, whether that's the person with the diagnosis or friends or family. Um, our current CEO, Andrea, took over 13 years ago and when she took over, she identified the need not only for the low-level psychological support that was already being provided through the charity, but also a higher level of support as well, which is where the Island Psycho-Oncology Service came from. Um, she brought on board our clinical lead, who's still our clinical lead today as well, Professor Robin Davidson. Um, he's a consultant clinical psychologist who oversees absolutely everything that we do and have done for that last 13 years. So we've been through a bit of a journey with Manx Cancer Help over the last few years. Um, and what we started to see a couple of years ago was our reputation for qualified therapeutic interventions kind of preceding ourselves, not to blow our own trumpet, but you know, we might as well. Mm -hmm. um, and we had families approaching us who were struggling to find support for their young people in their lives, whether it be their children or um, people that they cared for. And they were kind of, at desperation point and at crisis point and they were asking for our help so as a, a charity that's funded entirely by the public of the Isle of Man we had a look at what we were doing and we thought we've we've got transferable skills here in this therapeutic team um, all of that team have worked in, at some time with youth um, some have been teachers in the past as well and so we got together and we had a real think about what we were doing and our listen was kind of born from there really um, and then what we did was also encompass the workplace side of things into it as well as we moved on. Um, and that's where the R listen that you sort of see today has come from. So when we launched the pilot year um, at the beginning of last academic year, we were approached partway through that by Zurich International, which is based on the Isle of Man. And they said they'd sort of heard about the work that we were doing and were really interested in it. They have a global foundation, which is called the Z Zurich Foundation, and they asked us if we would like to make an application, which again, as I said, as a public funded charity, we didn't have much money and our listen was very much done on a shoestring at the beginning. So we thought, yes, absolutely, we would like to make an application. Um, so we sat down and we had a look at how we saw our listen looking in the future and um, what we wanted to do with it, what we needed to be able to do that as well, staff wise. Um, and then we got the funding, which mm. was an absolutely amazing day. I think oh, when we got that news, it was absolutely incredible. And so since then, we were granted the funding at the beginning, well, earlier on this year, just after lockdown, actually. And since then, we've expanded the team, um, Steve being one of our, our new recruits. And we've been able to take the service way bigger than we thought we were going to. Um, so that funding is in place for the next three years, which is great because it means we can actually see where our listen is going to go and we have a firm foundation in place for that to happen as well. Where are you going, I guess? This... Where are we going? That is a very <laughs> good question. Um, where, where's the desire over the next couple of years? The aspiration, I think, is that we would like to be able to, in some form or another, 
support every single person on the Isle of Man, um, whether that's through the schools team mm. with Steve and his guys and also our listeners who work in schools as well, whether it's Mandy through the workplace training that they provide too. And then there's also this much wider aspect of our listen that we're working towards at the moment, which is the community because we're very aware when we talk about the community of the Isle of Man, that's 85,000 people strong pretty much. And that's a big task um, for a small charity on the Isle of Man. But it's certainly one that we want to take on. And in order to do that, we'd love the public of the Isle of Man, the businesses of the Isle of Man, the schools of the Isle of Man to get behind mm-hmm. us and mm-hmm. support us in doing that as well. So from the pilot year, we've, we, it was um, King Williams College and QE2. And since then, we're now Ramsey, uh, St. Indians and Ben Mahague. Um, and for, for us, what we what we've seen from this year is so, so George last year was was doing the school stuff. So George is on my team with Carly. Me and Carly joined at the same time, so we've gone from one person potentially looking out to three, and we've already had more twice as many interactions with with, with students than we did last year. So it's just growing and growing and growing. Yeah. And the reason being is um, we can do more stuff now thanks to the funding of Zedgeuric Foundation. Um, and to be honest, the demand's there. The the, the children need the support. And, and I think it's, I, think, well, I personally think it's quite a, quite a clear point that the funding is about really paying for you guys to go and do that. You've still got a core element of the, of the business, I suppose if that's the right word, is to raise money as well. Mm-hmm. So again, it's important the message is uh, not just we've secured funding of three years, we're fine, ignore us. We're doing all this good work, but we still need support financially from wherever, I guess, wherever that might be, whether it's... Yeah, absolutely. Donations too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know the, the one of the conditions actually of the funding that we've received is that at the end of this three years we need to be self sufficient because what we don't want to do is see all this amazing work that's happening drop off a cliff. And mm. um, because we are seeing the need there, I mean, to Steve's point that he's just made, the one to one listening service that we provide within schools as well, which is very low level, um, level zero to one, we frame it in the sort of grander mental health scheme of things. And um, in the pilot year overall, we had two listeners and they supported 115 students across two schools. In the first term that we've been back in the schools, we're, we've already supported 87 students in that time, mm. which just really puts into perspective for me what a difference that funding has made and will continue to make but we want that to continue beyond the three mm. years and how does that work exactly do you have then a, a certain time within the school hours that it's there's a f- open area to go or a closed area for them to go and talk to you yeah no it's a great question so for, so for me like I, I touched on before the ideal would be we go in maybe do like an assembly we then follow up with like an interactive session then follow up with some reflective work that's the ideal and um, it doesn't always work that way and um, each school's different um, some have um, more time de- dedicated to doing this type of stuff, others don't. So it's very, very um, individual, individually organised, really. Um, but but yeah, most schools have uh, a, like a PSHE slot. We we tend to try and book in, and we can always try and get an assembly in, um, and, and that's how we do. We do have we do have some schools that we're um, able to go in and um, be be around the school, and um, so we can actually build that rapport with with these students potentially prior to even delivering anything mm-hmm. so actually you're more they, they just know who you are mm-hmm. and if they've got any questions and we've we've really found that a massive benefit because when when children when, when the pupils recognize us and they feel comfortable with us and um, so the first session it might just be a session and you know you don't get necessarily much back from them the second time you get a little bit more and if you see them for a third time they, they really do open up and, and building the, trust I guess with especially the young building trust yes. and, and it comes back to the stigma thing it's, it's actually perfectly okay if someone actually wants to ask a question about how they're feeling on that specific day because mm. 
one of the things we talk to the children about is it, it can change hour to hour day to day you know one piece of news can make you feel amazing or, or can be quite challenging so it's about normalizing some of them feelings but but the aim for, for me is that if we can if we can get these if we can get this right for this sort of wider reaching stuff then hopefully that will alleviate some of the um, resource on the listeners um, because obviously if they're going to the listeners they, they want to have that one-to-one sort of safe non-judgmental sort of time to talk about that yeah. um, and then we'll obviously have a chat with the listeners to try and see what the common themes are to try and sort of feedback in as well as what the teachers are telling us okay. so we can actually make it fit for purpose really and when you talk to people I guess it's well same question but, but whether it's dealt with differently for, for coping mechanisms I suppose maybe describe them how you or things you talk to the to the kids about and does that differ from what you might talk about in the community and or workplace so maybe start with the young and work our way up yeah so so interestingly enough we've just we've just done a session actually on coping strategies and and, and the session we did was around sort of healthy and unhealthy coping strategies so um you know is is a, is a pupil potentially doing something harmful to themselves that um they could do with a more healthier option really so some of the things we talk around is, is deep breathing and um, we talk about journaling um, we talk about communication. So um, journaling being writing down your thought thoughts. Thought journaling, yeah. Um, as, as Annabelle mentioned, um, what, what we tend to do is we tend to come up with some ideas. I've, I've got a wonderful team that are just really into, you know, trying to find the best bits of advice they can give. But then obviously we work with the clinicians to make sure that that is actually right because everything we do is evidence-based to make sure that we're not just yeah, giving yeah. out random information to people. So once we've got that, that, that set... We'll go in, um, but, but but we try and use some of the more common ones, you know, um, even stuff around for year sevens. It might be talking around um, you know, how much they sleep. You know, a lot mm. of people these days seem to be on their Xbox so quite late. So it's just about trying to get them into them healthy routines. You know, talking about the diet, exercise. You know, we're, we're early intervention, um, but but at the end of the day, we've we've had some really meaningful conversations, mm. and we've seen some of these kids two or three weeks later, and they've actually put some of these things into practice and gone, oh, you know, thanks for that, which. Yeah. Which is just well, which yeah. is great of it. If it's very rewarding, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm, I think and interestingly, a lot of the coping strategies that we put together. So, not to keep harping on about it, but during COVID and lockdown, we put together a whole suite of resources and um, physical resources and also videos and webinars and that kind of thing. And what we actually found was they were transferable across all three of those um the sort of work streams that we run so the same physical resource we were sharing with young people they were also being shared with workplaces and corporates weren't they Mandy? yeah absolutely and i, I think you know as steve picked up on there it, it is the simple things like getting enough sleep looking after your your diet making sure you eat regularly and um, you try and eat the the right things for you making sure that you get exercise and making sure that you develop those kind of healthy habits um, and one of the things we, we often talk about in workplaces is that sometimes we are a bit rubbish at, at coping with things and we tend to reach for the wrong things. And in an mm. adult uh, population, it might be, you know, a few few more drinks than you should have or, you know, unhealthy habits. And we've already talked about online and so on. And there's lots and lots of different things that we might find ourselves falling into rather than developing the right sort of habits around, as I say, diet, exercise, making sure that we're engaging with people, Mm -hmm. making sure that we reach out and ask for help when we need it, even if it's a a chat with a good friend, you know, or talking to your line manager at work, or, you know, if it escalates a little bit, making sure you go to your GP. So we do try and instill those those same sort of things. The language that we might use might be a little bit different, but, ultimately they're the same themes that are coming out yeah i will say this in my own view is that when i look at uh, 
there's obviously a lot of media generally and certainly in the COVID time about washing your hands, do, doing those those things that are important, but I think those types of things are so much so as important, yeah. not only for your own well being, but also your own health, mm-hmm. with your own immune you know, doing yeah. doing those right things and I personally I'd like to have seen and see more from from we're happy to listen to the government say to stay indoors and put a mask on but i'd like other positive positive mm. messages within that which is eat better healthier sleep try and ec- or exercise more and that that message being strong but that's only my own, own view as i go off on a on a rant <laughs> <laughs> uh, so maybe talk a bit about uh mindset of again of i suppose again how you guys help or help people to change that, I guess, mechanisms that are, are underlying. Is that, it's just about education, is that, and then yeah. helping them to, to, whether that be people who need to be in parents, need to help their children or leaders in business. I think a lot of what we do right across the piece really is starting a conversation. So we're not the people who necessarily go in and wave a magic wand and mm-hmm. fix everything. We're just giving people the, the, the means to have a conversation mm. about this sort of stuff. And often you'll find when you talk to people, they kind of know some of this stuff. You just need to give them a nudge in the right place and, and that might set them off on, on the right kind of path. But certainly in the workplace, we talk a lot about a, a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, for example, and how that can be really beneficial to, to you and your mental well-being. So that if you have a little bit more of a flexible, adaptable attitude, for example, and you know, particularly when, with what we've gone through in this past year, it was so crucial because it going into it with a very kind of rigid view about the world, could you could see that that could quite easily break somebody, whereas having a much more adaptable view of, and, and kind of being prepared to go with things a little bit more, yeah. try something new, perhaps learn a new skill, perhaps, you know, develop a, a, a new habit and so on, you you feel yourself much, much more um, equipped to deal with whatever life throws at you. So I think mindset is so crucial. It's definitely something that we talk an awful lot about to to organisations. And I'm sure that that's, that's the same. Yeah, I think the big thing for me is with schools at the moment is, is, is creating that space and that time where people can really think of themselves mm-hmm. you know really really sort of turn that attention internally because that <laughs> it's just full-on what, what I've realized going back into schools whether it's year seven or year eleven it's just it's just you know there's, there's so many pupils they're rushing to this class you know they're rushing home probably spending time with their friends so actually creating that space is great for them just to sit and, and think about themselves and then what we try and do is we don't go in with you know do this do that do that but we do go in there and, and as Mandy said start that conversation look at potentially um, options that, that could be of, of, of use to these pupils because everyone's different yeah. you know what works for some you know doesn't work for others you know even even you know even whether it's exercise or or, or sleep you know someone would probably choose one or the other it's not always they do both yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, so what we do at the schools is we just try and stimulate the mind a little bit and think okay you know is this behavior right you know what can I do differently um, you know in this situation what could I do and stuff like that um, and hopefully it's just it just resonates with them and, and they try some of this stuff. We try and keep the sessions as fun as possible. So actually if there's an element of a coping strategy, you know, try and do a little bit of it and just yeah. see if it works or, or it doesn't. Yeah, a bit more like interaction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So to go back to the point earlier, Mandy, around growth uh, and, and helping uh, in 
well, staff, I suppose, do that. That's ultimately going to help the business anyway because if you're changing their mindset to help themselves into a growth, surely within a business, you, you want people with that mentality anyway. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It, and, and it is, it's, it's beneficial for the individual and for everybody around them as well because you feel if you feel better about yourself, you're, you're able to contribute more. You're, you're mm-hmm. able to feel mm-hmm. that you can add value and you are valued and that's just so, so hugely important. And, um, you yeah, know, and the, it, the opposite of that then is with no self-esteem, that just goes mm-hmm. the other way. Absolutely, that's it. If you feel very rigid and, and quite defensive perhaps, then... You know that that doesn't no, feel don't. like a good place. <laughs> you know, it can feel like it's not a great place to be, in. and then it kind of goes back to that self-esteem point mm-hmm. that 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 Steve was talking about there. That it, it is um, going to really damage your self-esteem ultimately if you feel that you are constantly having to defend your position and you know stick to your guns and at all costs. Then it's not a great place for you to be yeah. in person. But as you say, it definitely has an impact on your ability to contribute to your employer as well. Mm-hmm. And in the workplace some some ideas give the listeners what what you I know there's different types of courses and helps maybe an overview of a couple of them of yeah if they get in touch the type of things that you can help them with so we offer we kind of started off as I say um running uh full day courses which we we still do and by uh, can I just ask do you find that sometimes I challenge with because businesses and again in this environment where money's tight for everyone that businesses just want to be doing business and wouldn't say staff are, are clearly important, but yeah. Do you know? I think it's the same with everyone. As you know, Steve said that there, there, there's so many pressures in schools as well, and mm. we. I think we definitely try and make sure that we're in that place where we are responsive. So we always listen to to what um, organisations need, and you know that that's part of whether it's in the schools and whether it's in the workplace. We work with whoever we're working with. We we are collaborative yeah, and we listen absolutely. and. And take on board the the strains and stresses and challenges that they they definitely have. So you know, if we're talking about a full day course, for example, when we very first looked at this, um, some of our um, some of other people were doing this kind of thing in the UK, and often they would run two day courses. So we kind of thought, right, okay, trying to get people away from their workplaces mm-hmm. for two days. Actually, we could be adding to people's stress rather than <laughs> reducing it. We're not in that business. So let's have a think about what we could do in a day space. And then we have worked with employers where we have even broken down the full day course and we've run it as two half days. So that, for example, managers aren't taken out of the workplace for one whole day at a time. We've broken it up. Mm. And, you know, so we, we do definitely try and do that. Um, we also do have our one-hour sessions as well, which we focus on a particular aspect of mental health, whether that's, for example, dealing with change or perhaps it's building your resilience. And um, we've done sessions around kind of staying the distance through coronavirus, which is a shorter session as well. So we have a whole range of shorter sessions that we can either run as a series of events for people, uh, for organisations, or we can kind of run as one-off as well. So we, we try and be adaptable, I think, mm. is fair yeah. to say. Yeah. I assume the feedback is good that you get. It is overwhelmingly so, which is which is fabulous. And it's I think we've been very fortunate that we've never really in any meaningful way had to advertise and it has been through word of mouth which is kind of the way it works on the Isle of Man really mm-hmm. and it keeps us busy which is really really good yeah and then from a from a school perspective uh, again I suppose the idea is just to continue to grow that getting more schools yeah and is that that is that something that, that the heads look at to to bring you in or is that government-led 
No, I think I think from our perspective, we the, the schools we've we're working with now, we've we've liaised directly with them okay. and, and and come to yeah. an arrangement of, of what we can provide for them. Right. Um, yeah, is is the answer. I'd, I'd love to be in every school possible. <laughs> I think it's I think it's uh, you know really really passionate about what we do. I, I've seen the value. I've seen I've seen pupils who who have who have took that information and done stuff and 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 they're more comfortable with things, which is great. Um, at the moment, we we are obviously just growing um you know I've, I've only actually been there about four months now so the the, the impact we've had is, in that time is, is is great and you know i i don't know where we'll be in a year's time because we keep <laughs> we keep uh, doing more more things yeah. for the schools which is great um that that's the aim to, to expand from a community perspective as you look at the workplace with the schools the community as a whole what is the idea to uh, either now or down the line to let's call it a walking centre where people can come and talk what's the how's the plan to I think for a community we're it's it's something that we're all very aware is a massive task to take on the community support so what we're going to do is next year we're going to spend some time talking to the community and finding out what it is that they want what they think the gaps are there are some that we know anecdotally there are gaps there but what we do and, and I'm sure we've said it many times but it's something that's really important to us we are a fully evidence-based service and we don't intervene in people's lives unless we're pretty sure we're going to make a positive difference and that goes across all three strands of of what we're doing um, and I think it's even more important in the community side of things because it is such a huge task um, we don't want to go in and it's something that we're always very cautious of with the workplace and the schools we don't want to go in and tell people how they should be doing things because we are not experts in absolutely everything we have our skill set and we have this evidence-based approach that is we want to come in and support what you're doing and maybe support you to find more positive ways of doing it there is no one-size-fits-all approach for anything that we do and that's why the services that we do are are so bespoke and they are tailored mm. to the needs um, of the people that we're trying to support and community will be no different um, it's a, a massive task as I keep saying mm. but we're really excited to get out there and get talking to our community because we're so fortunate on the Isle of Man that we have such an amazing community and we're so fortunate that at the moment we are able to be mixing with our community and being able to carry on with community groups and things we have such a rich resource here of amateur dramatics groups sporting groups musical groups that kind of thing that we really want to be out there working with them and finding out what it is they want um, and finding the best way that we can help them Thanks for coming in. I presume people want to reach out to you, whether that's be schools, individuals, I guess, as well, businesses, visit your website. Yeah, reach out and come can, and chat, have a coffee. Absolutely. And um, visit the website, visit our social media pages as well. We're pretty active on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn as well. Um, and we always encourage people to reach out. There's email addresses on the website, there's phone numbers. Just reach out to us if you've got a question. The worst thing we can say is we don't actually know the answer to that or we're not the right people to help you, but we'll help you find the ones that can. Yeah, being able to signpost people mm -hmm. is super important, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks to the three of you coming in. It's very much appreciated and, you know, we look forward to working together. Thank you, yeah. thank you very Great. much. Pleasure. Thanks for listening, everyone. Oh.